0: Welcome to Star Wars Action News' coverage of Star Wars Celebration 5, hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Celebrating five years in podcasting, the Star Wars Action News team is in Orlando, Florida, to bring you the latest in Star Wars and Star Wars collecting news right from the convention floor.
1: Hello and welcome to the second Celebration 5 episode of Star Wars Action News. Celebration
2: 5, our fifth year anniversary. It's perfect. It works out. It really does. This week's episode is brought to you by one of our party sponsors, Backstage Toys. And we're going to tell you about a special coupon code that only SWAN listeners can use.
1: Backstage Toys has been getting in their Amazon Fulfillment Centers the 2010 Clone Wars Legacy Collection, Saga Legends, and Vintage Collection product with basic figures, vehicles, battle packs, galactic heroes, basically any of the new stuff you need. And the guys at Backstage Toys were really cool and gave us a coupon for 20% off your entire purchase and this is just for our listeners.
2: That coupon code is swan20sv. That's S W A N 2 Zero S V. V. In case you didn't get that,
1: there would be sierra whiskey alpha november 20 sierra victor. So thank you to Backstage Toys for bringing us this second part of our celebration 5 coverage. Whew. We're we got, back home now Yes
2: we are we, And we got a lot to talk about still We left you last with our Friday night recording Which was a blast With all of the SWAN members in attendance having fun We went well into the wee hours of the morning
1: Well technically we left them with Jay Lagaya.
2: Oh, yes, we did. I forgot Jay Gaia came out to serenade people standing in line.
1: I almost got in that line after we recorded that.
2: It was such a neat feeling to be there with him singing. He's such a wonderful man.
1: I really was just headed to my car to get my iPad and hop in line, but somebody wouldn't let me.
2: Aren't you glad you went to sleep and you were full-on ready for indoor?
1: Yes, I did say on this show and I meant it that I was... Prepared to not see the George Lucas at all this time. The George Lucas. Yeah, the
2: George Lucas.
1: I meant the George Lucas event, the main event. But when push came to shove, I kind of really wanted to see it. But I was exhausted. Not to play the martyr, but the party and a couple panels. It takes it out of you.
2: It does. Your time is just consumed with that. I feel that I had a really great time. I don't think I missed anything that I wanted to do. And I don't regret any of it.
1: Oh, no, I don't regret anything at all.
2: But one thing we did miss out on was sleep. It was a little hard to catch in some sleep. I think every night we went to bed by 2 a.m. maybe? About. And
1: that night we'd recorded the Star Wars Action News first episode for Celebration 5. And... I was running on fumes, and it was the right decision to go to bed. However, that Lucas line haunted my dreams. I know it's a bad night. If I'm dreaming that I'm in Indianapolis, it's raining, and Chris Bauer is standing in line <laughs> holding my place. I, this was a repeated dream. I didn't just dream this once. I had repeated dreams of Chris Bauer. And if you don't know Chris, Chris from Paducah, Pacer Juan on our forums, he's, like, seven foot tall. <laughs> three foot wide linebacker build and I'm having a recurring dream that night that he's wondering where the hell I am and so that dream woke me up and I started at like 5.30 in the morning I'm like I gotta get to Luke I'm so tired I'll skip it again and went back to bed then at 8 o'clock I woke up I gotta get to Lucas and that time I meant it
2: I stayed in bed for a little bit longer it was awesome
1: you checked Twitter and said they were still giving out wristbands uh huh So I raced down there, they were done giving out wristbands, but the overflow rooms that weren't the digital stage were first come first serve, not wristband, which was different than what I've been told the first day by somebody working one of the rooms, it just goes to show you that misunderstandings and misinformation is everywhere at one of these conventions, they weren't being malicious, they just were misinformed. And so they only were giving out wristbands for the main event live and the digital room. I went right to the room where we gave our bottle of water and a plan talk, got a perfect shot in the front row. I wasn't there live, but I talked to some people who were and they're like, yeah, he was a speck. I sat out all night and ended up watching him on a screen. So I think I made the right choice there. I think you did. Now let's talk about the main event. Yes. First of all.
2: John Stewart! John Stewart!
1: No offense to Jay Gaia because I think he's a great guy.
2: Yeah, he is great.
1: I think he's multi-talented, I think he hearkens back to like the days of the Rat Pack and Sinatra, the actor who can sing or the singer who can act. But Jay Gaia didn't have any chemistry with George Lucas. Well, he's
2: not an interviewer, and that's a different skill. Just because you can act or sing doesn't mean you can interview someone, and that does take a look. Like, you're much better at than I am. I'm not a very good person to do an interview, but you are very good at interviewing people. And we all know I'm the more talented one, so it'd be a surprise (laughs) that I can't do something.
1: Well, I think it's that Jay LaGaia and George Lucas had a previous role of employer-employee. Yeah. And Jay LaGaya was up there more in the employee role and George Lucas was up there in the I really hope nobody attacks me role.
2: Yes, as evidenced by the large armed
1: guards. But here John Stewart ain't afraid of no man. No. If you saw The Daily Show, if you didn't go to dailyshow.com or comedycentral.com and watch their show from very early this year, Jon Stewart is just right there putting it on the line. And he's a big Star Wars geek like all of us. and A lot of the people, specifically the foreign listeners, had no idea who he was i was talking to wannabe trooper and he had no idea who john stewart was he's a purely american phenomenon but he said he was great up there in that role and that i think he was i loved how to use an english expression and pardon my french he takes the piss out of george lucas
2: he's a star wars fan but he's not awestruck like most of us are right whereas i was more awestruck by john stewart the first question was just pure
1: awesome About C-3PO piloting the land speeder. Yeah,
2: that was good. I don't think they asked enough fan questions, or maybe just George is long-winded. They probably could have gone on for hours, though, with the number of questions submitted.
1: Sure. But let's talk about the big reveals. The first one I thought was a joke. I really did. Darth Maul's brother. Savage oppress Is that his name? Is that his name? Yeah, I, I believe that's it. his name. Wow, Marjorie with the EU knowledge.
2: In five years, it had to happen once. You know, it's because <laughs> I decided that Nathan Butler is my master, and I need to learn the ways of the EU.
1: And that should be our new shirt. Nathan Butler is my master now.
2: I was very tired that morning, and I remembered that.
1: I, I really thought it was a
2: joke, but I think it's
1: really going to mess with a lot of EU.
2: Well, I think there's some other things that came out that really screwed up EU. That have people angry and shocked and saddened. Are you talking about the planet Stew John? I am talking about the planet Stew John.
1: So, what are the questions possibly fan? I, I lost track that John Stewart asked is what's Obi Wan's homeworld and. George Lucas, you know, you all know the story of Orn Free Ta, right? Corn Fritter. Yes, I forget where I picked up that pearl of knowledge, but George Lucas named Orn Free Ta after a corn fritter.
2: You know that Orn Free Ta is just a big fat blue toilet, right?
1: Yes, yes, I did. Well, now, when asked by Jon Stewart what Obi Wan's homeworld was, he said the planet Stew John, and much like a god whose every word becomes reality, <laughs> Leland Shi immediately issued a missive that it is G-level canon now that Obi-Wan's home planet is the planet Stu-John.
2: What does G-level mean?
1: George-level.
2: Duh, I should have gotten that, huh? Hmm, interesting. There's also some news that came out that Seth's Green Star Wars show is going to be for four to five-year-olds, but Seth doesn't know it yet, so... I'm hoping it's going to kind of be like the Superhero Squad, which is
1: awesome. Well, remember at one point George Lucas was discussing an animated Star Wars show, which he affectionately referred to as Squishies. Yes. And we wondered if it was a Galactic Heroes show, and now you got Seth Green. I don't know. I've seen Robot Chicken, and I don't know too many four-year-olds who... Would get the jokes?
2: No, I don't think so either. But who that's knows? why it's
1: called Adult Swim. It's not called Preschool Kiddie Pool. But I don't know if it was a joke. Here's the problem: there was so much joking going on. I don't know what's a joke and what's not. Yeah, it's hard to tell. And. And the other bit of news is that Baron Papanoida, who was George Lucas's cameo character doing his Alfred Hitchcock impersonation in Episode 3, is going to come back and kick some butt in The Clone Wars. But if it's not voiced by George Lucas, what's the point? So, I don't know if it is voiced by George Lucas.
2: Ah, the lack of
1: follow-up questions
2: was frightening talk about the biggest news to come out of the main event
1: again i thought
2: this was a joke i really did
1: they talked about the
2: blu-rays which is old news
1: to us star wars collectors we knew this was coming sometime
2: it had to because
1: it's the way of life well it has been officially announced we just didn't have a date now all we have is not this year it's next year right but we kind of figured it wasn't this year because we've seen their release patterns, right? <laughs> they announce it in the summer, they release in the fall, they sell over Christmas, and by January it's clearanced. So since we're this far in and they didn't announce it, they wouldn't hold it for celebration because it doesn't make sense from a selling on Amazon pre-order perspective. And they said there were going to be deleted scenes, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of knew this. I have a theory, by the way. You do? I do. What is that theory? I have a theory that they were going to release all of this on DVD two years ago, back when Hasbro released the Chewy and Leg Bandage figures.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Because remember, Hasbro keeps telling us it takes two years for a figure to go from concept to to production. Mm -hmm. I think that they planned on re-releasing an ultimate DVD set with a lot of extras including cutscenes and said hey Hasbro we're doing cutscenes we're going to do the Sandstorm scene from Return of the Jedi why don't you tie into that? And then they saw how that one set came with the three discs and it didn't have the bonus disc and it just had like the more retro packaging and it's no secret those didn't sell well at all and they realized that Lucasfilm hey We've gone back to the well once too often, so we're not going to do it again. We're going to kind of take a break on releasing the DVDs. But by the time they realized that that DVD set was flopping like a dead fish, Hasbro was already well into production on those Mm -hmm. figures. I think Hasbro was like, well, screw it. We're going to put the figures out anyway.
2: Well, remember, it got to be an annual event for us to go to Walmart to pick up the DVDs at midnight. Yeah, I was owning more of those than I own
1: big wing TIE Fighters, and that's getting to be Mm, quite a lot, folks. It
2: is, yes. (laughs) Yes. Quite a bit.
1: So I think that this was planned for years, but then they showed some footage, and I'm like, oh, is it going to be the Biggs at Anchorhead scene? No. Is it going to be the stocky man in the furry coat as Jabba the Hutt? Stocky man in the furry coat.
2: <laughs> have you not seen that I footage? have. The Irish guy? Look, I disagree with that whole scene anyway, because it takes away from the Falcon. It's wrong, and I think it's an insult to the entire franchise.
1: Would it be Luke's lightsaber train? on Empire that had been rumored? Was it going to be the sandstorm scene? No. And so here's why I thought it was a joke. It's Vader walking down a hallway. And I'm thinking, (laughs) okay, they could have filmed this or this could be anything, right? And then he goes into the meditation chamber. Do
2: you think it's a joke because Jon Stewart was involved? Yeah, kinda.
1: And I'm thinking that he's going to get down there and like announce buy Pepsi, or something like that. You know, I mean, the last time I've seen Vader, he's been hawking stuff anyway. So, I didn't know what this was, but I really didn't think it was legit. But then, he it starts doing the... And if you saw this on YouTube, I'm describing to you something you already know, but it, it's been yanked off YouTube. I hope they put it up officially at StarWars.com. But Vader starts talking to Luke psychically, and then we cut to Luke on Tatooine, and he's, like, putting the last screws in his lightsaber, and you can barely see except for... His his chin, but it's definitely Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. And then the lightsaber blade ignites, and I got chills. I couldn't believe I was seeing something I never even knew existed from *Return of the Jedi*.
2: That was pretty cool. I don't think it was a great scene. I'd have to see, I know, it's kind of with deleted scenes. You want to see how it fits into the movie. Just watching deleted scenes doesn't do it for me.
1: Well, I don't think this is going to be reincorporated in the film.
2: I know, but I'm saying that my take on deleted scenes is you like to see how it flows and how it's going to go. But I just don't like watching them.
1: My feeling is deleted scenes are deleted for a reason. Exactly. I mean, there's something about Mary ran three hours before they started cutting. It mm -hmm. was good to cut. I understand. But I'm looking forward to what else is in there, though. What else is in there that I don't know about? I know the sandstorm. I know the bigs at Anchorhead. I never knew this. And in fact, Mark Hamill came out on stage after that scene. He's like, people asked me about that scene for years, and I said it was fake because I didn't remember filming it until they showed it to me, and then it all came rushing back.
2: Mark Hamill has such a good attitude. I loved him when he came out on stage, and I loved him when we got his autograph, and I really loved it when he was at the indie show because it was the best part of the indie show when Mark Hamill came out.
1: But... You're spoiling the rest of our show. Let's hold this back.
2: And then they brought out Carrie Fisher.
1: And then the show was over. Yeah.
2: Yes, it was. Well, she mentioned porn and nude scenes, and the show was quickly cut short. Well, was it cut short, or was that the end? I don't know what was going on. Either way, Carrie Fisher came out in a potato sack-looking dress. is very unflattering. She sat on the sofa. In the wrong place. And And then they all left.
1: Yes. I don't know what was going on there. There's been some speculation in our forums that Carrie Fisher brought the curtain down. (laughs) I don't think that's the case. The thing had been going on for an hour. I think they were done. You think? I just think it was a very awkward end. It was, but sh- again, the porn and nude scenes—I that- don't think that's the a showstopper. You bring out Carrie Fisher, you know what you're getting. That, we saw her one woman show. That's true. I mean, you don't ask a stripper to chaperone a five year old's birthday party.
2: Mm-hmm. You know you what you're getting. You do if you're a good
1: parent. <laughs> Everybody knew what they were in for when Carrie came out. She's not shy. She's not demure with her opinions. I I just don't quite know what happened there, though. That was a little odd. By the time it was over, I was late because I had to get down to the Barnes & Noble booth where I could get the autographs of Aaron Alston, Troy Denning, and Christy Golden in their latest Fate of the Jedi books, keeping my autographed book series up to date. They're all very nice people. That was quite a run with a rolly backpack.
2: I know. For once, I didn't have to carry the books this convention. It was awesome.
1: Let it be known you were never the pack mule.
2: Actually, I'd like to point out this Marcus Alexander on Facebook page. You posted a picture of me when we forgot the box at the convention center and we had to go back and get it from the bag check because we both forgot it. I think we're just so comfortable and loving the fact that we weren't carrying 40 pounds of stuff. But he posted, look, it's Arnie's luggage cart. But let it be known you were not the pack mule of this trip. No, I think there's one person who really is happy to hear that, and that's Dale. Jedi partner on the forums.
1: But it was great to see Aaron and Christy and Troy again. Christy and Troy came to the party and they wrote really nice inscriptions. Troy wrote in the cover of Abyss how the shirt we had at our party passed the wife test and was one of the few Star Wars shirts that his wife would let him wear. I
2: didn't think he wore anything else because he's always in the Hawaiian print shirts.
1: Actually he's always in kind of button down. It's Aaron who really gravitates yeah. towards Hawaiian.
2: He does. I actually, it's awesome.
1: I was joking with Troy about that. I'm like giving you t-shirts kind of like giving Aaron a t-shirt like I'm never going to see you wearing it but Troy said he wears them a lot when he's writing and this one would pass the wife test and he'd be able to write it so maybe Troy will be writing that final book whose title was revealed to be Apocalypse at the Fate of the Jedi panel while wearing a Star Wars action news shirt that gives me chills then with those autographs in the bag it was time to finally hit the autograph hall it was Saturday afternoon and I was really worried that a lot of guests wouldn't be there and I was right to be worried I might add it's for reasons we'll get into, but first, I had to figure out which autographs I needed. We'd been a little rushed, as we said, and didn't have time to sort through all of my visual dictionaries to see who we had, who we didn't. So there we were, uploading photos to the website in the press room, Marjorie sitting on the floor, flipping through visual dictionaries.
2: Trying to read people's autographs, because these people don't write neat and easy to read. The worst being George Lucas and his little squiggle.
1: Yeah. But we made a nice list of people we needed, and I went in, bought some tickets, There were a couple people I decided to pass on who I ended up getting. There was Ben Burt. I'm like, well, I really admire Ben Burt, but I don't really go for all of the -the behind-the-scenes people in my visual dictionaries, so I'm going to pass. And then in one of the autograph lines, they're like, you know he had a cameo in Return of the Jedi, right? He's the Imperial who gets knocked over the side in the bunker, and I'm like, oh. All right, I need Ben Burtt's autograph. So I went over. He was a very nice guy. And if you're listening to our Republic Forces Radio Network, I was able to actually say to him, Ben, I'm a real big fan of your writing of the droids cartoons. He kind of looks at me as if I'm joking. <laughs> and I go that show really wasn't very good until you came along and started writing the episodes and then it was canceled. (laughs) He laughed and he goes, yeah, it was a short-lived series and that's an obscure reference, but it was fun to write. (laughs) So I had him sign my R2-D2 page and I got to meet Ian Liston, who was Wes Jansen. I didn't really need any of the big names there. Now Marjorie did send me over to see Frank Henson, who was a biker scout and a rebel guard and a skiff guard. You know, these stunt men do all these different roles. (laughs) And I get over there and I'm looking at the Biker Scout in my visual dictionary, and there's like a couple squiggles on it that I can't read. And I go, Would you sign this page if you haven't already? (laughs) And he looks at me and he looks at the video and he goes, it's right there,
2: Frank Henson. <laughs> this is why we need to keep better track. And I say,
1: oh, and he goes, well, you just saved yourself $20. <laughs> and I say, no, 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 no. I'm still going to get an autograph just on this picture. <laughs> because I felt really bad. It's like the time that. I went up to Paul Blake. When I meant to go up to Jerome Blake, I had Greedo's autograph, but I needed Masamita's. And I walked up to Paul Blake, who played Greedo, and put down the book and realized I was at Greedo's booth instead of Masamita's, and then went, I'm out of tickets, I'll be right back, and then scurried away and never returned. Well, it was kind of like that, only I, I felt bad. This guy was very honest. He could have just signed the book again in a different color. He told me he'd signed it once already, so I wasn't going to not give the $20 to him. So I
2: would have just not given him the $20. <laughs> I would have just walked away. I wanted to reward him for his honesty. I don't care. I'll never see the man again. That's not true. I've obviously now seen him
1: twice. So I picked the picture of the skiff guard, because I've never seen the skiff guard. And he goes, who should I make it out to? And I'm thinking, well, Marjorie's the one who told me I didn't have his autograph. To Marjorie. And then I'm realizing he might think my name's Marjorie. So I go, she's my wife. And he goes, to Marjorie. What's your name? My name? Yes, your name. Arnie. To Marjorie. Arnie told me all about you. And then he signed it, and he said, I was going to write, but I didn't believe it.
2: (laughs) So Marjorie... He obviously doesn't know me very well, or at all, because I would have gotten a big kick out of that. So now Marjorie,
1: in her own personal collection...
2: My own personal collection of one. Has an
1: autograph of Frank Henson.
2: My own personal collection of one. Well, you also have
1: some Kubrick's in it. Of autographs, it's one. Yes, your first autograph. Yay. If you ever send me back to somebody else who I already have, I'll get it again. (laughs) Now, while I was going around from table to table embarrassing myself... You were standing in line for Mark Ham. Yeah, this
2: year I wasn't a luggage car and I was a placeholder
1: a very good placeholder.
2: Now- yeah, no, no, because I think I got the bad end of the deal here.
1: <laughs> because you were getting hit on by Tom Green? Yes. It Not was- Tom Green himself because Tom Green himself was actually in Illinois, ironically. Really? Yeah, at the Insane Clown Posse Festival. <gasps> where
2: Ke- Tequila got assaulted with feces by the fan. But anyway. A t- Way to go, Illinois. A Tom Green
1: lookalike was hitting on Marjorie in the Mark Hamill line. And I came up and talked to her briefly because I needed a pen because I was afraid of going Back up to Ian List in a second time because I couldn't <laughs> scratch off names fast <laughs> enough. And then he asked you if I was your brother.
2: Yes, yes, yes. He did. He was telling me all about his Star Wars stuff that he's been collecting. He actually had a really cool idea. He buys the T-shirt at the convention he goes to every time, and then has every single person signing autographs sign the T-shirt.
1: That sounds expensive.
2: The T-shirt was already at four hundred and some dollars.
1: That I knew that sounded really expensive.
2: Yeah, of course he's never going to wear it. And as we did, It just hangs in the closet, it doesn't display. Oh, he needs it. to at least frame it. Yeah. Well, no, he wasn't doing that. Why do the socially awkward people hit on me? There was a guy in the lobby of the hotel talking about star wars to me and something was wrong i'm not sure what was going on there
1: so if you're not socially awkward please hit on my wife because she's feeling a little down
2: <laughs> is that what we're saying here i'm just saying that the people who can't carry in a normal conversations are the one who choose to talk to me and ask me if you're my brother
1: well there was i the don't guy, even look like you there was the guy who asked you back to his room to see his magic deck
2: yes i'm sure his magic deck is something very special it comes in a hanes package <laughs> We finally got in to see
1: Mark Hamill. Yep, that's it. He was behind the curtain like the wizard.
2: Yes, he I was. I didn't
1: realize they did that again. They, we talk about this a lot with Celebration 2 with Carrie Fisher, but here they had a reason. They were charging for photographs with Mark Hamill. Now, we got our photograph with Mark Hamill for free last year at San Diego Comic-Con. Yes, we did. But here, thanks to the great folks at Froggy Pictures and Official Pics, it was $40.
2: Actually, I think it was 60 $60? $60.
1: You are correct, ma'am.
2: I know. That's a lot. I just, I'm just saying. It is.
1: For it, That's a lot of money. Yeah. I, I, I wish I made $60 every time. For, I wish I made $60 for every photo we put online, because I'd have about... I'd retire. I would retire right now. So we get in to see Mark Hamill, and John, who's read Five on our forums, is actually guarding the door. Yes. And so I, I had a question for Mark Hamill. I was giving a presentation that night on the Star Wars radio dramas, and I really wanted to know why Mark Hamill, a voice actor, wasn't in the Return of the Jedi radio drama. And so we waited in line. I was waiting in line for the FX helmet signature, which I think FX got a little bit of the shaft. I think that they should have had a private signing for people who got this helmet or at least gotten us a fast pass like at Disney.
2: Yeah, because I paid them $600 to stand in line for an hour and a half.
1: Yeah, you did. Well, technically I did.
2: I had to do the standing.
1: But I'm the one who did the paying.
2: I did the standing. Oh, I'm sure I did the paying somehow. I will pay for this, I'm sure.
1: And so we're there, and I'm, I'm really nervous because some of these stars have good days and bad days. But Mark Hamill
2: is not known for being crabby.
1: Not that I know of. But I asked John, I'm like, how's his mood? Is he chatty? Is he quiet? And John goes, well, he kind of goes one way than the other. And So I walk in, and Mark Hamill's not even looking at the people. The items are being put in front of him. He's signing. Move on. He's signing. Move on. And we're up there, and he's almost to our item. And he's not looking at us. And I'm like, Marjorie, Marjorie. Go be flirty. Go be a giggly girl.
2: I can't because it's
1: Mark Hamill. Well, you did just that. You did the like your shoulders scrunched up with the big grin and your head. And it's your Mark Hamill. Your eyes get all bright. Yeah.
2: It's Mark Hamill. I used to kiss that page, remember?
1: Mm-hmm. So you went up and you told him something...
2: Something banal. banal I mean, yeah,
1: now. that's what I was going What for. do I say?
2: I used to kiss the book when you were looking at the binary suns. <laughs> and I got sad when the sand people attacked you because I was really worried about you then. Yeah, so
1: I think you just said something like, I love your work or something. But you got him to look up. Yeah, I loved him in comic book, the movie. <laughs> oh, terrible. So you got him to look up and he shook your hand and then he reached out to shake mine and I shook his hand and I guess I have too firm a grip because he goes, whoa, watch out, it might pop off which I'm sure is a joke he uses like mm. a million times. Yes. But it was the opening I needed because it, the, he was talking to us and looking at us. Yeah. And he hadn't looked at anybody else in the line that I could tell. No. So I go, would you mind if I ask you one quick question? He goes, no, go ahead. And he just had me step to the side so he could keep doing his assembly line autographs. I imagine
2: there's somebody behind him with a
1: cattle prod. And I ask him, you know, I say, I'm a big fan of your work in the voiceover, the Joker and all. And in the 90s, that's what you were primarily doing. Why would weren't you in Return of the Jedi? And he sets down his pen, and he looked me in the eye. I thought you were in trouble. I did, too. I thought that I thought Luke Skywalker was going to kick
2: my ass. And I was really worried that I would never be able to see Mark Hamill again because my husband pissed him off. He gave
1: me a great answer. He did. And no, I'm not going to tell you what it was because he said he didn't make it public. And he was telling me, and I did tell a few people at the radio drama panel that night, very few people, the ones who didn't go to Endor. <laughs> 50 of us. There are tens of people waiting to watch you and here. Yes, in tens of people were waiting to hear us talk about something they heard years ago.
2: But you, you guys actually had a decent turnout of
1: I'd rather have, assorted collection of characters. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. But Mark Hamill's answer was tremendous and I'm not going to broadcast it but I got like five minutes of dedicated Mark Hamill time and I didn't have to pay $60 for it but I did have to pay $600 for a helm so I don't know if I won or lost in that. Then we went back out to the lesser autograph guests, the ones who would take pictures with you for free. And in fact, one of whom really wanted my picture with him, Nick Gallard. Oh,
2: was he collecting
1: pictures of fans? Well, no, he, I had him sign because he had a cameo in episode three as a Jedi in a long flowing Backstreet Boys wig. Uh, either that or he really had hair then and shaved it now. And... I get his autograph, and I go, I'm a big fan of your choreography. What, what am I going to say? I, I love the Darth Maul fight, though, and it's all him. So I say, I'm a big fan of your choreography. He goes, oh, thank you. Would you like a picture with me? Okay. And I'm like, I don't have my camera. And he goes, oh, well, come back later, and we'll get that picture. <laughs> but there were two people who I couldn't find, Bosk and Aduros. Not even going to bother to learn their names now. Actually, I know their names, but... It's easier to say and more fun to don't. say Bosk and the Duros. Yeah, Bosk and the Duros. It's like Captain and Tanil.
2: Duros was a challenge. Is that when you found him, he was only signing from four to five.
1: Yeah, that was... I, I couldn't believe it, but yeah, I don't know if it was just Saturday afternoon, but that was the end. I had one hour to get him. And there was, of course, no line, and he's the Duros, okay? I didn't think it would really be a problem. So I get there at four, the line is huge, and the first guy has like a hundred items.
2: I know. Oh my god, that was so annoying.
1: And the actor's name is John Burr. He was Hammerhead, he was the Duros, but I don't know why he was so hard to get, why he'd only be there for an hour, but the first person was obviously a dealer and had posters and pictures and everything. And it was like, dear God, these dealers need to be a little bit more polite, I think. I don't think they need to camp out and Honestly, take it. Honestly,
2: what should be done is they should work with official picks yeah. to have a private signing. Which is what Watergraphs does. do. Yes. And they don't go stand in line and take up your time. But I had a problem with that line anyway. We stood in line for well into an hour and we're like second from the front of the line and two guys in official picks shirts come over with a bunch of stuff to be signed and i told the lady who was made line, i said that's not fair why can't they go the line and the guy says oh i wouldn't like it either i was just sent over here to get all this stuff signed i said well that's not really fair i've been waiting an hour i think you need you guys need to go the back of the line they wouldn't go they said they were just doing what they were told so the rest of the people who were waiting in line for well over an hour for those autographs had to wait and let those people butt in line that should have been done on a different time yeah I'm a paying customer.
1: Yeah, it should have been handled so much better. Behind the scenes, you know, take the guy back behind your big black curtain and have him sign for Mm -hmm. your people. Don't have it be where people who have been waiting in line, we were late for something because of the dealer anyway, and John Berg's a bit of a chatty person at that. Yes. So by the time we got up there, and then just to be stymied like that, it was so bad that the Tom Green guy was like, would you guys like to go ahead of me? Because we were mad. I
2: I was tired, okay? You don't make... Make me angry when I'm tired because I'm either going to cry or I'm going to just be so openly blunt that you're just going to wonder what the hell hit you upside the head. And that's, I think, what happened to those three people. I think I scared them a little. And I scared the Tom Green guy, who was still talking to me after he found out you were my husband. I don't get that. But okay, maybe he was into that. Uh Uh-huh. Now, Alan
1: Harris, who played Bosk and A Bespin Guard, never came back that day. I did get him the next day. And when I finally got his autograph the next day, I said, Well, I'm glad you came to the U.S. I thought I was going to have to come to the U.K. and find you. And I got a really sad story that made me feel bad. I'd been told that he was afraid of flying. And he told me the truth, that that's not exactly true. His wife was afraid of flying, and he wouldn't leave his wife to go on one of these trips. And so he only went where they could drive. But his wife passed away about a year and a half ago, and he took a whole year not flying in her memory. And now he's going to conventions and signing across the seas. And that's 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 really really sad. sad. But he was a very nice guy. And now that he's coming to the States, I highly recommend getting his autograph, if you can, and just chatting him up. He was talking quite a bit about the Bosque suit and how he couldn't see out of it.
2: Since we had quite a bit of the Star Wars Action News staff on location in Orlando, we took actually quite a few group photos in various places and very, doing various things.
1: Various positions.
2: Yes. Well, the most interesting was, I think, when we all crammed into the card back.
1: It was a Stuff the Bubble event. It was. on Star Wars Action People looked at us like we were crazy.
2: Yes, it we was... got seven people in a bubble. <laughs> it was almost like a stuffed the Phone Booth contest. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. I got closer to some of you than I ever wanted to. I
1: had to apologize for Steve for accidentally feeling up Mrs. Ginger Prince oops (laughs) it was like I was reaching over for something and ah sorry Suzanne you didn't lose a hand I apologized
2: but it was a lot of fun we'll be putting this up on our website soon we also are going to have them on our Facebook page and we're also going to have them on
1: the Flickr pool
2: yes I'm working on that. that's a lot to tag I'm working on it I'm working on it though
1: After that, we finally went to our radio drama panel, and I want to thank everyone who came out for it. It was a killer time slot.
2: We got about 20 more seconds you could thank everyone. See, get it? Because there are tens of people.
1: Uh, Actually, there are a lot more people than we thought there would be. Yeah, there really were. I I kept telling Jerry we'd show up when the one person who came to the panel would be there, (laughs) we'd buy him a beer, and all go home. When we got there, there were like 50 or 60 people, which was the lowest attended of our panels, but we were up against last tour -tour 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 or I mean, if I spent $80 for a ticket, I'd have gone too. And then we were up against the digital projection of Empire. It was a it was a nasty time slot. But you know what? We had about 50 or 60 people there and they were all really enthusiastic. You had one girl looking at you. There was one girl in the middle. And if you're out there listening, I'd I'd like to know what your relationship (laughs) is with the radio drama. Because we'd like bring up a fact like Brian Daly used Lord Tyon in the radio dramas, which connects to the Tyon hegemony, which he used in his novels. And she would just, like, smile and nod as if, yes, that is what you should have said at that moment. Yes. And I thought for sure she'd come up at the end and be like, I was a big fan of the radio drama. So I could find out what her relationship was and why she was such a fan of the radio dramas. Because big grin, Anytime I'm up there wondering, am I doing good, I'd look right at her and she'd have this big grin and be nodding. And I'd be like, that's, like, the reinforcement I need to be up here. And
2: I'd like to point out that the girl was not me. <laughs>
1: no, the girl was not you. It was someone who likes the radio dramas.
2: So. Look, I heard them all the way down there in the car when you were trying to edit the sound clips. And this is all I heard of the radio dramas the entire time. Star Wars. Based
1: on characters and situations created by George Lucas.
2: And then I got really angry because apparently all Cami wants is for Fixer to marry her. Because even girls in Tatooine base their worth on whether they're married or not.
1: Episode 1, A Wind to Shake the Star.
2: Now, imagine hearing that about 60 times going through Georgia.
1: I wanted, I do want to thank everyone who came up, met a lot of nice people there. And Jerry and I are thinking about doing something to bring that panel to a larger audience at some point in the future. So we weren't able to record any of our panels at C5 due to C5 regulations. But that doesn't mean we can't give a similar speech
2: later. That's
1: not the one that everyone wants to hear, though. We'll get to it. So then we go to the last tour to the sauna.
2: <laughs> well, all the way there. We had a bit uh, Well it was Almost an accident In the bus I thought it would be The scariest ride Of the night That I was (laughs) on Our bus Something happened I don't know The guy wasn't watching But he had a screech On the brakes And it was such A hard stop That almost everyone Flew forward Crap was sliding Down on the floor The back of the bus Came up as he stopped And there was a Sound we didn't hit the car in front of us, so we were okay. But I'm kind of wishing he had, because when we got to the park, dear God, it's like someone left the oven on. It was horrible. Was it someone from the planet Molotov left the oven oh, on? Oh, don't make me talk about these people, Arnie. Hold on. Well, we got to
1: Disney. It was the last tour to Endor. But boy, 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 I thought it was at a water park, because I was swimming through the humidity.
2: Oh, my gosh. I, that humidity was so bad. It was so thick and enveloping. You stepped off the bus, and it was just, it coated your skin, the moisture. Ugh. It so gross. First thing we
1: did was take a tour to Endor. And it was just as fun as Actually, I Actually, no, the first
2: thing we did was take a tour to get a drink that was cold. Well, yes, yes. And we stopped by the DJ booth where the Oh god. They had a DJ in an X Wing pilot's outfit.
1: I think it was the same DJ who was MCing the main stage. He with was the swimming.
2: hat with the douchey hat. Well, yeah, yeah. I didn't like that guy.
1: He was the one who was on before George Lucas. We got some drinks, went on the tour to Endor, and it was a lot of fun to see that again, but man, it is a bit of a cheesy ride. It It is. It does need some updating.
2: Yeah, it really does. It is very dated. Now, I want
1: to know, though, what is it about Star Wars fans that make us such collectors in that we can't go on the last tour to Endor without filming it? I rode that ride twice that night, and both times the ride was interrupted, and somebody came over, woman in the front row. Please stop recording or we will have to cease the ride. Both times. It's like they say don't film it. And these people are like, well, I'm going to get away with it. Disney is like Vegas. Yes. They see everything. You do
2: not mess with Disney. No. So we went on that ride. Then we decided to go on the Tower of Terror.
1: Well, no, in between, we decided to have dinner. True.
2: Oh, which was right. the
1: worst mistake before going on the Tower of Terror. I don't Terror.
2: know what your problem is, Arnie. There was no problem with having dinner before going on the Tower of Terror. Listen, it's not called the Tower of Gentle Rides. It was a
1: fine ride. There was nothing wrong with it. I think the greatest thing is, all right, well, let I am a wuss when it comes to rides. But what's worse is, every so often, when I'm extraordinarily tired, and we're on an airplane, I get vertigo really badly.
2: You do, and I'm sorry. I tried to help you, but there's really nothing you can do when someone has vertigo.
1: So we go on the Tower of Terror.
2: And Suzanne and I decide to sit in the front. We went with Steve and Suzanne, the ginger prince and princess. Suzanne and I decide to sit in the front row, and it was awesome. Oh, my God, it was so much fun. Steve and I are behind you. I know. We look look at you guys. And Steve is like holding on to the bar for dear life. And this is before the ride's even moving. And Artie has this look of abject terror on his face.
1: Steve had a reason. They rode this on Wednesday and they got to the very top and it stopped. (laughs) They had to hear them talking through the air vent. Well, how do we get them down? And they had to hand crank the Tower of Terror to the ground level. So he had a reason to be afraid. He'd been on the ride when it broke. But I'm on there, and we start the ascension, and all of a sudden I realize something.
2: You realize what it was going to do? It's I knew it was going
1: to fall, but the the weight I thought was worse than the fall. I'm like, oh, God. It, oh, God. When is it going to fall? Is it going to fall now? Is it going to fall now? <laughs> this is the worst part. The waiting is the... No! The falling is the worst part! Oh, wait. We're going back up. No! We're falling. Oh, no. We're going back up. Oh, no. There comes my lunch. It, the up and down right after eating was not a good thing and i was i would both got vertigo due to exhaustion and wondered if i was going to vomit on my wife
2: that's not a good thing if you do i
1: also have a fear of heights i was so worried about the vertigo and the vomiting that when they showed us that we're like at the top of this terror and there's the whole Disney i didn't even care about the heights i had everything else going on we get there's we get off and they take a picture of you the picture of me i looked like john McClane in Die Hard 2 when he's in the ejection seat and the airplane is exploding because I'm gripping the sides for dear life, holding myself into the seat, refusing to allow myself to fly out of this and I do not look like I'm having any fun. I look like I think I'm going to die.
2: So Susie and I promptly got off the ride and proceeded to get right back into the line to ride it again. Steve and I promptly got off the ride and watched you go. And you held our purses. Yes, yes, we did. We're good husbands. It was fun. The second time we rode it, we didn't realize that the guy behind us had brought popcorn with him. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea, but he had a lid on it. And during the commotion of the ride, the lid had popped off and stuff kept hitting me. And I couldn't figure out what was hitting me. And I saw it was my hair or something. Turns out the popcorn had exploded all over our little car. And it, it really looked like somebody had had this giant party in there. And there's just popcorn in our hair everywhere. I'm sure it didn't last
1: the second ride. No,
2: it was fun, though. I really liked that ride. Wow.
1: Now, on our interview on our show, Steve had said that they would do little tricks to these rides to make them more Star Wars, things you wouldn't see at any other time.
2: I didn't see anything.
1: There's a sign where you see some ghosts of people who had been on the ride before, and one of them was holding something, and it might have been a lightsaber. I couldn't really tell. It was just a hilt, if so, and maybe they were Force ghosts. I don't know the ride, so I don't know, but it didn't seem very Star Wars-y. And I talked to Larry about the Aerosmith roller coaster that's there, and I said, so does it have a little Star Wars tidbit? Because after the Tower of Terror, I was not looking forward to getting getting on a corkscrew roller coaster. But if it had Star Wars on it, I would. And he's like, well, it's Star Wars in that you're riding it with people in Stormtrooper costumes. But other than that, no, no Star Wars. They didn't do love in a turbo lift or anything like that. (laughs) So we skipped that, decided to go back for hyperspace hoopla.
2: All right. Now, I will admit that we saw these people, like, back in 01 when we went to Disney. I think it was 03, but yeah. Whatever. It was early 2000s. And we joked for years about the guy saying that he was from Planet Mulleton, and then he wanted to know where his NASCAR fans were, because no one got the joke. Because he had a mullet on. On, yes. Yes. Now, these are the people, I keep wanting to call them Twig and Stick, but I think their names are, like, Stick and Oopla. And I apologize to any of the Disney fans out there, but I really just want a roundhouse kick them both in the face. (laughs) It was miserable, and I made you
1: and Larry and everyone else with us leave.
2: Steve, Suzanne, Mr. Gosh,
1: Larry. I was just like, I'm not staying for this. I would rather go back aboard the Tower of Terror than listen to them butcher (laughs) Star Wars anymore. What site was it you were reading
2: for some reason, the website GameRevolution.com has a little article and video with their show which is called Hyperspace Hoopla. And I can't you can't see my arms, but they do this thing with their arms, and I really want around house kick them in the face again for that. But this is what Game Revolution says about it, and I really think it sums it up. For years, I believed that nothing would be able to destroy Star Wars more than the Star Wars holiday special. It was staggeringly awful. However, Disney World apparently felt that my childhood memories were not sufficiently raped. I give you Star Wars hyperspace hoopla. That about sums it up.
1: So we left hyperspace hoopla, and when Marjorie subjected me to the video while we were preparing to record this, I wanted to round kick her in the face. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. It's their it's their accents that they use, and this is over the top. Things that Disney are over the top. Now, someone who's a Disney expert told me that you only find the first rate actors at like the Magic Kingdom, and the other people are, are just like the hacks. None of those people have been hacking up Star Wars since at least '03. When we, last time I was at Disney. I think it was the same actor. Oh, I think
1: it was, too. The woman, especially, has a specifically grating voice that I remember from 2003 very clearly.
2: I don't think they've ever seen Star Wars or anybody that choreographed the show. Well, they brought out, where we left, actually, was when they brought out and Dan and the Modal Nodes, and they did, like, a Backstreet Boys type dance, and we were done.
1: Yeah, that was all I needed to say. Instead, we went to the disco because it was air-conditioned.
2: Yes, it was. However, what someone failed to mention, it was at a disco for children.
1: Yeah, it was full of hula hoops and kiddie music. And they weren't even playing disco songs. They were
2: playing Twist and I could even get- Shout
1: by the Beatles. I
2: couldn't even get a hula hoop. I want to test my Wii
1: skills. But truly, I think the best part, other than getting to ride the tour to Endor one last time, was the fireworks.
2: Fireworks were amazing. Nobody does fireworks like Disney. Every year around the
1: 4th of July, or specifically on the 4th of July, Marjorie goes, I want to go see the fireworks. And I go, acquiesce, because I'm a good husband. (laughs) And because she's a pretty good wife, and I kind of owe her a few X-Wings and FX helmets. Yeah, I think you do. So I go for fireworks every year but usually I look at a few and I'm like that's cool and then I surf the web on my phone until the finale and then I look up and go wow that's a nice finale and then we go home not at Disney and not with John Williams music I was enraptured I got goosebumps I've never seen anything Perhaps it's because it was Disney, but this was like some Fantasia stuff going on where fireworks would come up the left side when the music was crescendo, and then it would come up the right side, and the
2: smoke trails left crisscrosses like lightsabers. It was very well choreographed to the music, unlike the hyperspace hoopla debacle. Yeah, I was just... I couldn't believe
1: it. There were 12 minutes of fireworks, and I thought it was over in five, and it did all the great songs. Marjorie was a little disappointed it didn't end on Nyub Nyub. Yes. Because all Star Wars should end end with It should
2: because it's the most celebratory song in the entire musical soundtrack.
1: But it was phenomenal. But we had to end on a low note. We went to the Indiana Jones thing.
2: Yeah. No, I did not enjoy that one. It was straight Indiana Jones.
1: It wasn't any better this time.
2: No, because all they did was substitute the background characters for Star Wars characters. I have to say that what illusion I had of that anyway was ruined by Mr. Gosh because he told me that the people they pick out the audience are Disney employees and they're actors.
1: A couple of them obviously were. Some of them might not have been but i think like the girl with
2: the green hair was
1: yeah i think a couple were really volunteers but a couple of them yes they were disney employees quite obviously but perhaps it was ruined because we heard at the ten fifteen show seth green and george lucas were part of it and it was so great and so grand and we went and mark hamill did show up and you love mark hamill and that was kind of cool <laughs> But really, I mean, they had the scene where Indy shoots the Swordsman, but the Swordsman was Darth Maul. Yes, it's funny, but it's obvious.
2: Here's the problem. Boba Fett looked like he was Michael Myers because he's just wearing
1: a jumpsuit. Disney costumes cannot compare to the 501st. No. We thought that the very first time we went to a Star Wars weekend was how cheap and cheesy the Stormtrooper costumes were after having been to Celebration 2.
2: They had boot toppers.
1: Yeah, boot toppers.
2: I know, I expected more out of Disney.
1: There were a couple funny jokes, but really there was way too much time spent talking while they set up the scenes and way yeah. too little time with the action. What the worst part was, was they started late. So at the end, we're A, worried about our shuttles uh-huh. leaving because the shuttles were supposed to end at one. Fortunately, we we're sitting right behind Bonnie Burton. Hi, Bonnie. And she was like, Don't worry, there'll be shuttles.
2: I just, you know, I'm very leery after the debacle that was Celebration 4 and getting trapped at the Jim Henson Studios. And then
1: we also, as we were walking out, a bunch of fireworks go off, and I jokingly go, haha, they just blew up Endor. Well, it turns out they did. We missed the closing ceremony because Indiana Jones ran late. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there was this great show, far better than the Indiana Jones thing, where Darth Vader comes down and it's all like, I'm closing this installation permanently, and then has Boba Fett throw in a thermal detonator, and the whole thing blows up, and it's over. Of course, we were watching Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular.
2: No, we're not complaining about the whole last tour, no, and we we had a great time with friends. You know, we hung out with Steve and Suzanne, with Larry. Oh, if I hadn't been Mr. Having,
1: gosh. If I hadn't been having fun, Darth it would have been miserable.
2: Yeah, I mean Darth Kravis is there, watch fireworks with him. It was great. The heat and humidity were a little rough. I wish there was more to do and I wish there was more to do as a woman in her thirties. They did close a
1: number of attractions a full hour before the fireworks, they closed down the Toy Story ride. So we couldn't ride that. They said because it's a landing zone for the fireworks.
2: Shoot them higher.
1: It's an hour later. How long
2: is this ride? Yeah. Tower of Terror was three minutes. It, it, was oh, th- hell. it was not three minutes, Arnie. It was like 30. It's not even 30 seconds.
1: It was, uh, it was the longest 30 seconds of my life.
2: I am so glad that I did not take you on the roller coaster then because I don't think you would have been able to handle it. Probably
1: not. No, Disney was fun, but honestly, our feeling was it wasn't worth $80 a person. It was nice to not have to wait for the rides, but there were very few rides. Mm -hmm. The fireworks were spectacular. The heat was oppressive.
2: I think we only had like four rides open because he had the Toy Story ride open. Or the American Idol thing, whatever that was. I didn't even look. I know the lady was trying to get people to come in. People were avoiding it like the plague. And she kept going, come on, we have air conditioning, come on. And then you had Tower of Terror, Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster, and Star Tours. Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid was open. No, it was not open. I thought it was. Oh, so you had six rides open. It just seemed like there should have been more to do. It was basically these hyperspace hoopla. People. Yeah.
1: And here's what's funny is there were virtually no kids there. No. The best part of it was the liquor. Yeah, the liquor is pretty good. We got. It was overpriced, though. Every small eight-ounce cup was $7. That's a dollar an ounce for liquor. That's
2: how much it was at the Hoth Ice Bar with the death sticks, though. Oh. Well, they kept coming with little flashy light cubes, ice cubes in them. So Suzanne kept putting them in her pockets. She had magic pockets. But we did get back. The shuttles
1: ran late. We saw a fight between an Anakin and a couple of really tough-looking guys over an FX lightsaber. Security was called. Neither one would give it up. No. Anakin was claiming that the other guy had stolen his saber. That was... Marjorie was all like, let's get on the bus. And Arnie's all like, let's watch the fight.
2: It was hot. I didn't want to watch any fight because it was so hot.
1: And we finally got back. And then, oh, sadness, the last day of the con. And that always brings with it some last day blues.
2: The problem is, is it started Saturday afternoon. One by one, our friends were disappearing and going home. And it was very sad.
1: Sunday was pretty sparse. It
2: was. You get your final autograph. You got
1: Bosk. We went to a Clone Wars press conference which you'll be able to hear a little later this week on Republic Forces Radio Network where I got to ask questions of Dave Filoni and some of the other Clone Wars cast members. I
2: have to say, now while I went with you and everyone knows that Clone Wars is not exactly my cup of tea, I'm really holding out hope for the Seth Green one because it's 8 at 4 to 5 year old, which probably is more my speed for cartoons. I like the dumb, fun, wink-wink cartoons, you know, and this isn't one of them. Like Superhero Squad, it's got kid stuff, but then there's enough for the parents.
1: We went to the Partner's collecting panel because Marjorie was in it. Yeah, I
2: had to go. I told you, you didn't have to go, though. Oh, I had to go.
1: Oh. The greatest part for me personally was when somebody was sitting right behind me and goes, the second one in is from Star Wars Action News. She'll probably talk about the rule of three. I'm just sitting there like, alright, we're in for it now. But
2: it was so great. It was fun,
1: though. I felt like such a part of a larger world because there are others
2: like us. Like when... We were on there with, let me explain who I was on there with. My fellow panelists were Pam Green, Bob Canning, and Kim McElwain and Ann Jenkins. It was a lot of fun because it really made me feel that I wasn't alone. And, you know, there were things that Arnie's done that they laughed at and things that their husbands did that. I laughed at. And it was kind of neat because Bob and Kim are not really collectors at all. In fact, I don't think Bob really likes Star Wars at all much, it didn't seem. <laughs> he tolerated it. Yeah, he tolerates it. While Anne and Pam and myself are really into it and have our own collections and have fun.
1: I liked that we aren't the only people who sometimes have boxes that you have to move from the door to the couch.
2: Yes. With me yelling, it's a collectible!
1: And then we leave, and then when we come back, we move her from the couch to the door with me yelling, It's a collectible! Yeah, that's happened quite a few times in our old apartment. It made me feel like less of a freak, (laughs) and that was good.
2: Yes, but it was a lot of fun. And I think the best question was, so do you guys buy them Star Wars toys for their birthdays? That was the best one. Or when, was it Pam who said the collection
1: was going into the garage and I had to ask a question? Is it air conditioned? Yeah, (laughs) I couldn't not ask that. It's like a whole collection in a humid garage. Of course, my whole weekend was thinking about humidity. So after that, Marjorie went back to the floor to do a little bit less shopping. I went to the TK Project Auction and... Wow, I got out of there before I spent some money I didn't mean to because that thing was going so fast and in $250 increments. And so I'm going to do my worst impression of an auctioneer. $250, $250 500 500 1000 $750, $750, 1000 $1, and I was afraid that I'd be thinking 750. Do I want to spend 750? Yes I'll spend it. I just bid $1250. That's not what I meant. And that happened to some friends of ours.
2: Curtis and Lindsay they accidentally bid on some helmets, but then they ended up getting the uh, Tin Man IG-88 one. It was very cool.
1: Yeah, some of them were going for really low prices. I didn't stick around long. I didn't realize the con was closing at 5 that day, and we had to head back to the Celebration store. There were a few last-minute items I'd held out, hoping for a 50% off sale the last day of the con. There it, wasn't. It didn't happen. I actually found Travis. Travis, we've had on the show before, back in a previous life when he was with Master Replicas. We've known Travis for years now, good guy. So I was talking to Travis, and Travis was like, no, we're not closing this out. We're, it hurts the Star Wars brand, and the company that did the collection, collectibles for Celebration 4 is out of business now. So they lost their butts. And I said, so all this leftover stuff, because there were a few leftover Boba Fetts even, which I was shocked at
2: I was shocked at that. Because one, he's super cute. And, and there's some wampas. I don't understand that. What's wrong with people not buying those wampas? You need to buy those wampas.
1: They were cute. And I said, so all this stuff's going to go to StarWarsShop.com? And he said, no, it's different this time than before. Before, Star Wars Shop took the excess. But after giving away R2s and 3POs free with purchase... They ordered a set number of each item for Star Wars Shop, and that is it. And so everything that was left in the store, it is not going to Star Wars shop. It is not going to close out because they don't want to hurt the brand. They said if a big retailer, and they didn't name names, my guess is something like Entertainment Earth or Brian's Toys comes in and wants to buy a large number of units, they can do that. And other than that, the product will be destroyed. But to preserve the Star Wars brand, the company was ready to eat that cost Of what items they had left. That said they budgeted pretty well. There were not a lot of excess items. You wanted a sweatshirt, but couldn't find it in your size. No,
2: I had to get one that was too big, but it's okay. It'll still work. I broke down and bought the
1: Vader... Hawaiian shirts.
2: Mm -hmm. And those Yoda ears hats.
1: I had to have the Yoda's ears hat. It's it's a classic. We bought a couple gifts for friends. We bought an IG-88 mug for somebody else, the Iggy.
2: Yes, that's for my friend Ryan because he was super awesome to me while I was gone. And then
1: I bought the badge set, although I'm really mad now. I have the badge sets from all the previous ones, but I just realized that we're not getting the Jedi Knight and Jedi Master badges with the badge sets, and I think that's some crap. For... I
2: know, and I don't understand that, but that's the rumor going around.
1: For sixty dollars, I should get all the badges. You got the "I Love Scoundrels" notebook and the T-shirt, and you also got those stupid magnets.
2: I love those magnets. They're these Star Wars phrases magnets, so you can put them all over and make the Star Wars phrases. I think those are fun. I can't help but you're a wet blanket.
1: I am not a wet blanket. I just think those always go badly. No, they don't. They go just fine. And then finally, I bought you a slightly belated birthday gift. I took you to the Her Universe booth and bought you a hat.
2: And not just any hat. You bought me a shiny Star Wars hat.
1: You'd wanted it. You thought it was a little too expensive to spend on yourself, so I spent it on you.
2: Yes, you did. You bought me a $60 baseball cap, and that's awesome.
1: And with that, we walked the floor. We got to see the final diorama by Frank DiOrio, and wow.
2: Frank's awesome. He does awesome things. It's incredible.
1: This is why I can't build dioramas, is they set up things that I never would have thought of to set up, like the Wampa and Luke playing Wii, or the the behind-the-scenes of, like, various people getting killed by stormtroopers in the Hoth base. It's like over in the Hasbro, they had a Cloud City base, and you know what they did? They took a -A Build-A-Droid and had Wilro Hood pulling his ice cream maker out of an R2 unit. I would have never thought to have Wilro Hood hiding his ice cream maker inside an r2 unit and killing somebody and tearing apart an r2 unit to get the ice cream maker out that's just classic you don't
2: separate a man from his ice cream
1: and then we stopped by and saw the lego stuff equally impressive and then there was a real twinge of sadness as for the third celebration in a row we closed it down
2: we did and at the same time we had to say goodbye to steve and suzanne we were leaving and they were staying in Orlando for a few days. It was very sad.
1: They were the last ones. Everyone yeah. else had parted before, and those were the last pictures. Actually, the last picture well, it was supposed to be of a stormtrooper who was exhausted in the commitment chapel, and he was just really beat. But then there was one more picture as we get to the car, and I'm just like, we're traveling way too light. And as Marjorie has mentioned previously in the show oops, we forgot a box and a backpack at the FedEx bag check. <laughs> So the true last picture of Celebration was Marjorie looking a little bit like Bigfoot from the (laughs) video. The
2: Patterson film from the 60s.
1: Carrying our box out. But now we have a few other people who are here to share their Celebration 5 thoughts with us. First, you know, we talked a lot about the speed dating event at Celebration and we just couldn't let it go by without getting a mole in there to find out what really happens when Star Wars fans date at light speed. And so here to share with us her light speed dating experience, which is what they should have called as light speed dating, by the way, is Fernanda.
2: Okay, we are here with Fernanda, who attended Celebration 5 and perhaps attended the most talked about event at Celebration 5. The main event? No, speed dating. Fernanda, hi. Hi guys, how are you? Now, for the per- people who don't know who Fernanda is, she's the girl who ran into the car looking at the big Millennium Falcon. We talked about you on our panel.
3: And that's what I heard, that you talked about it. Yeah, Yeah, I missed it because of this other thing that I went to. Uh, What was that? Well, what was uh, obviously for me the most important thing in the con (laughs) was the speed dating. And how did that work out? Are you married? No, I'm not.
1: (laughs) Did it work like Sansweet said? You start at the speed dating, then go drinking at the bar, commitment chapel, and then celebration store? (laughs)
3: Well, it might have worked like that for some people, but not 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 for me, really. <laughs> I actually just went there to to see what it was going to be like because I was curious. Instantly, when I when I saw I'd post it, posted, and it was a lot of fun. There there were a few interesting people, let's say.
1: Give us some stories, come Here, on. Come
3: on. <laughs> okay, well, some of the most of the people were like normal people. You know, you I kind of expected like stereotypical fans, you know, that that's what you expect. And I did have a couple weird experiences. Um actually one with a girl sitting next to me. Well, she what was, was like,
1: that experience?
3: Well, she was like very big and tough and um one of those people who use an electrical an electric wheelchair because they don't feel like walking because I did see her walk around, you know, and um <laughs> in Star Wars pajamas. Oh, well, which, I mean, costumes speed are dating?
2: Cool. Yeah. She's just right <laughs> to the chase already.
3: Dressed to depress. <laughs> um, I mean costumes are cool, but I found it weird that she was in pajamas. Whatever. She sits next to me. And, um, well, everyone kept like, look, uh, it was all girls first that were sitting and we were all looking at one another like, oh, um, like nervous. Some of them and some of them were like just there as a joke, I guess, for their faces. But I try to like joke around with her because she was the closest person to me. And I go like, oh, I'm sure guys are not going to be like total weirdos. (laughs) Ha ha. And she looks at me all serious and she goes like. I'm not here for the guys. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so speed dating hadn't even started. And uh well, most of the people were normal. I had never done speed dating before, ever. I heard another girl next to me like approaching uh, approaching guys with things like, "So, what's your favorite Star Wars quote?" and things like that. And I talked about, like, a lot of different things. Like, some people I would talk about Star Wars with, and others I would just talk about their lives or whatever. And most of them were cool. Most of them were guys that I actually, like, bumped into later in the con and, t- and said hi, and they were really nice. Um, there was this guy who, like, just sat there and looked at me and didn't talk for, like, a minute Out of the three that you have, (laughs) it was like, uh, do do I talk to you? Do I not? Where are you from?
2: Maybe it was like in dinner for schmucks and it was.
3: Was
1: Was he laying eggs in your brain? Uh,
3: I, I promise you it was, it was really weird, but I, I met a lot of cool people. I don't know if a lot of them mate matches or not. Um, I talked to a few of the girls before that, like before it started and, Some of them did seem to take it really seriously, but I guess more than half of them were just, you know, there for, like, the laugh or their friend dragged them there or whatever.
2: Or some weird podcast people made them go.
3: (laughs) Or some podcast people made them go. Um, But it it, it was cool. I think guys took it a lot more seriously than girls in general. Mm. But I was surprised to see, like, nice, normal girls. I, I have to be honest, out of the 30-something girls and 30-something guys that were there, um, the majority of guys looked normal but geeky and without a girlfriend. And the majority of girls looked, like, just really weird. But there were some, like, just normal, regular girls. Which I, I I thought was really cool. Um, now the organization, I think it was all right. I would have changed a few things around that were less than ideal. Such as? Mm, well, I when I when we first got there, they just got all the girls inside the room and they just explained to us to put our numbers on and sit facing one way like all of us and um, it was like fairly simple they told us what was what it was about that you have three minutes with every person and everything and then the guys came in and they had a little more trouble like organizing through their numbers and what not um, and it all looked fine it all seemed fine they had a DJ dressed as Obi-Wan which was cool and um, the organizer was an acting guy that I had somehow met before last kind, and it was it all seemed fine but then they played the music and they said okay one two three start and then I realized how close to each other we were half of the time we couldn't even hear what other people were saying everyone was like yelling it was not the music it was just the, the, the room was either too small for the event or they just sat us too close to each other so by the fifteenth person that I talked to, the first thing that they would say to you is like, "Hey, I'm number twenty-four. Yeah, my throat is really tired. Can you start talking?" <laughs> so yeah, that was a, that's something that I would have uh, I would have changed. But in general, it was fun. I think everybody had fun. I have to admit, I left my email in a piece of paper just because it was empty, and I felt horrible for whoever that was. But Aww. in general, <laughs> that's that's so sad because he might be listening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I don't I don't know if he knows I me. No, yeah, my name was there too. So hey, you were cool anyway.
1: <laughs> at least yeah. you weren't one of the Aww. at least you weren't one of the scary ones who she <laughs> wouldn't have given her email address to.
3: <laughs> I hope so because I didn't know who it was. I just saw a blank sheet of paper and I was like, oh. But I saw some girls that came out really happy with a lot of, of numbers and stuff. I, um.
1: You know, that's so sweet. It's like in fourth grade, the girls who would give all the guys a Valentine instead of just the ones they really liked.
3: <laughs> well, I don't know. I wasn't. I, I think since I got there, I didn't really think I would find anyone that I would like in that way. I was really just there to, like, as I just imagined that I would meet a bunch of people that I would run into later in the con and like hang out with and I thought that was a good idea so I just like gave people my number because I thought they were cool and they didn't seem like ridiculously desperate to date someone you know some of them were um, but it was just like normal cool people I think I do think the fact that um you were with someone and the other person already knew how big into star wars uh, you were made it a lot easier for people to actually like talk about other stuff um for some guys it seemed like it was a relief like oh well you already know what i don't tell any of my dates so you know Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) so tell us uh without naming any names tell us the About your best three minutes there and your worst three minutes there. Was the worst three minutes the guy who just stared at you?
3: Okay. The worst three minutes was definitely the guy who just stared at me. Um, he was just a nice, nerdy-looking guy like everyone else there, I guess. <laughs> um, but he, he really just sat crossed his leg and just stared at me. I tried to talk to him, but it was, like, impossible. Like, where are you from? Hmm, Atlanta. And he would just stare at me, like, in a very, very weird way. Um, That was my worst three minutes. There were some weird guys, but, you know, I was just, like, friendly to them and joke about something else. And when they got to, like, personal questions, I would easily change to, so what's your favorite Star Wars movie, you know? (laughs) Which is still a fun thing to talk about. Um, And I think the best three minutes there were with... There were a couple guys who were cool, um, who were like interesting. I um met a guy actually from the 501st who got me all excited into like joining the 501st, and I actually ended up going to the 501st party later. So I did meet cool people that, um, some of them I saw during the con, and some of them I didn't, and I have them on Facebook. I think mainly it was fun, because I I met people who are also into Star Wars, people who I could hang out with during the con, and I think it was just fun in general.
1: So did I hear that right, that you actually got a date out of speed dating to the 501st party?
3: (laughs) No, I would not call it a date. I would call it a friend took me to the 501st party, but you could say that, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, maybe maybe you could call it that <laughs> But mainly it was just Meeting a bunch of people And also I met a lot of girls Who were really cool And I ran into all the time so, Did any of
1: them have a speed dater on their arm?
3: Um I don't remember seeing any girl with a speed dater on their arm. I think I saw one of them with someone later. But I don't think it was like a big phenomenon of like matchmaking and everyone that went there ended up with a couple. I think actually some of the other things about organization that I thought weren't so great was the age range. Um, I talked to like 30 guys. And they were most of them were really cool, but they were in age range anywhere from 22 to 39. So I think that was a little messed up. Right? Is that too was old
1: just, for you? Or, or
3: No, but I, I'm pretty sure if you have 23-year-old girls, they don't want to talk to... Thirty-nine year old guys. Okay,
1: so so that have, is too like, broad of an age range. I, I wasn't sure. I, I, I
3: w- <laughs> or like thirty-five year old women wouldn't want to talk to twenty-three year old guys. I think the age really range they
1: wouldn't. Would- have you heard the term cougar? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Okay, never mind. Maybe the age range was fine.
1: Maybe it's, I'm the problem. No, no, no. You're right. I just, I just wasn't sure which way you were saying it. I was just trying to clarify. <laughs> um, I, you're right. When I was 20, I probably wouldn't have wanted to date a 40 year old.
3: But now yeah, you do. I, <laughs> I think it was like a normal. As I said before, I had never done speed dating, but I think, I think it was like a general, normal speed dating thing with um, the weight off a lot of people's chests that the other person already knew they were a lot into Star Wars and some of them were in costume and whatnot. So I think that just made it a lot cooler, you know, before starting speed dating, knowing that you had something in common. And I think that's mainly the reason why I enjoyed talking to a lot of these people. And even though I didn't really give my number to a lot of them, I would run into them later and talk to them and hang out with people.
1: So, are you in touch with any of the guys from speed dating?
3: Oh, yeah, I have I have a couple of them on Facebook. So, in that way, yeah, I don't I don't call anyone or anything, but I I think they were cool people and as I learned from last con, you you run into people again next con and I tend to always go by myself. So, it's just a lot of fun to run into people that you've seen before. And having people to hang out with and go to panels with, and, and that's really cool. So what
2: were some of the highlights of C5 for you then?
3: Well, um, C5 was actually my, my second convention. I was in C4 before. Um, I think the biggest thing was, apart from speed dating, obviously, the, the, the main event was cool. But I think when I... Not that I enjoyed more than the main event, but i what I also enjoyed a lot was just standing in line for it i 'm um, not going to lie to you at that exact moment; It was just freaking torture, <laughs> but it was just the experience I had never stood in a line like that all night before. It was just fun. I was uh with a few people from the forums and just like being half asleep, waking up, seeing people dueling with lightsabers and playing card games and trivia and stuff. It was just a lot of fun. I think I think this to me this convention was a lot better than C4. It had a lot more things that I really enjoyed. I, I had a better time, but I realized that it's also because of the people that you meet in the event, just the the community and, well, people from the forums that, that also listen to the podcast that I've met before, just hanging out with people who love Star Wars was awesome. The I would say the Star Tours thing was also pretty great, but I had the best Star Tours ride I had ever had in my life. Just because the group of people that I was with in the, in the Star Tours ride decided to just go crazy in that ride. So everyone, even though the game is old and it's not thrilling at all, everyone was, like, yelling and covering their face where, when there was an asteroid and yelling, like, no, yay. And it was just so much fun. Like, cracking jokes in, like, every part about, like, saying, uh, like, dialogue from the movies. It was just fun. Just hanging out with people that understand that is great. And... So I am sure uh, what was that?
1: So you were up the entire night before. How did you make it to the Disney?
3: Oh, I have no idea. I, um, I have energy drinks to thank for that. (laughs) I had gone to the 501st party, which was amazing. Just ridiculously great. I had a lot of fun and I that ended up like at one or two or something and I um I caught it up with the with the rest of the guys from the forums in in line and I barely survived the line. I, I I can say as much fun as I was having just hanging out with Star Wars people, like at five or six, I just I was just exhausted. It was I was not enjoying it anymore. <laughs> But after that, it just went uphill from there. Um, I think just seeing George Lucas, I had never seen him before. just brought me up till like two o'clock. I had a small nap and like energy drinks, but I think it was just the adrenaline. I had been so excited every day that I was there. There was something awesome, something that got me really excited or something that I enjoyed a lot. Um, I think it was just four days of like adrenaline and awesome everything, you know, it was, I didn't get much sleep or anything, but, and I'm paying for that now, (laughs) but everything was worth the effort. I think, especially after this con, I will never miss one like for the rest of my life.
1: All right. Well, Fernanda, thank you for joining us and we hope to see you at C6.
2: Of course you will. Thank you guys. Thank you, Fernanda. Now, also, I
1: stopped a couple of people on the floor. There were a couple of great stories I got from the con floor. The first one's about somebody who's doing something a little bit different with autographs. I'm here on the convention floor with Shlomo, who's doing something I have never heard of being done before. Shlomo, why don't you tell the listeners what it is you're doing?
4: Well, I think that any convention like Celebration, while you need the stars, doesn't work without the little people. So I'm getting the autographs of all the handlers working at the autograph stage. I just go up to them. I go up to the star and say, I've got a question you've probably never heard of. Turn to the handler and ask, can I have your autograph? (laughs) Then get a photo with both the star and the handler, usually, and then leave, as long as there's no line. And tell them what you're getting autographed. I'm getting the... um, The brochure that shows all the different, um, what are they called, Uh, lithographs, and underneath the star's picture, I get the handler's name. That is very cool. And you said that they have heard of one other person doing this before? Supposedly someone did this in Japan once, but that's all they've ever heard of. Uh, Right, well, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Now we've got Darth Kravis, and I think this is going to win the award for Best Celebration Story, and this just proves how awesome Star Wars fans are. So we're
1: here with Brian on the exhibit floor, and Brian, you've got quite a couple stories to tell. Why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what happened to you here on the floor?
4: Okay, Uh, well, first of all, I'm Brian, Darth Kravis on the forums, and... uh, Well, first of all, I had, um, this is my first con. This is my first celebration. Uh, I decided to get Mark Hamill's signature. Really wanted a photo with him, but they were sold out of the photos of Frogs. As I'm walking out, uh, they were putting a sign up for 150 tickets. So I ran over to the table to pick up a ticket. It was cash only. I had no cash on me. So this great guy Anthony behind me offered $60 of his money to spot me to get the ticket and I'd walk over to the ATM and get it and he gave me the cash which allowed me to get the ticket which means I'm going to get a photo with Mark Hamill which is just amazing. The other part of it is, uh, a year ago today, I had open-heart surgery. Uh, I had a, um, a valve replacement and a double bypass. So I didn't even know if I'd ever see a celebration. They hadn't announced five yet, and I was really hoping I'd get to go. And I've come, and Anthony has totally made my entire con. It's just amazing.
1: Anthony, what would possess you to trust a complete stranger with $60? Well, he looked like a good guy, and, uh, you know, if I was in that situation, I would have, uh, I would have begged, you know, for the money. So, uh, you know, I figured that's the least I could do to help out a fellow fan. And this is what's great about Celebration, isn't it? As stories like this, total strangers do this for each other because we're all Star Wars fans. Yeah, absolutely. I flew out from New York, so it was a little bit of a trip, but I'm glad I made it. And Brian, how was Mark Hamill when you got the autograph? Was he friendly?
4: He was great. I um, I actually told he and Carrie Fisher a, a abbreviated version of my story about the heart surgery. And um, I know you can't have exploded, uh, swears on the show, but when I told Carrie what had happened to me over the past few years, um, she dropped the f-bomb and she said how old are you and am i 34 she got up gave me a big hug which was fantastic and i had i was all welled up and i was shaking and then today mark gave me a handshake and he said you know i hope your health is a lot better going you know from here on out um so it's just it's been this couldn't have been a better thing for me today i didn't expect a lot of today and you just totally made my day so thank thank you i want to give you a hug It's my
1: pleasure.
4: For radio, they just hugged. And Anthony,
1: (laughs) you are a good person. Thank Thank you you for helping out one of our listeners. And have a good rest of your con. What few hours are left? Thank you very much. Take care, Brian. Take care. I'll drop you an email. Absolutely.
2: Next up, we have Jerry from Republic Forces Radio Network at republicforces.com.
1: And he's going to share with us his Celebration 5 final thoughts.
5: Hello, everyone. Jerry here to give you my final thoughts on Star Wars Celebration 5. First, I just have to say I had an incredible time. By far, I think this was the best celebration that I've been to. Now, you've heard a lot of my thoughts about Day 1 and Day 2 during the last episode of Star Wars Action News, so let me tell you about the overall highlights for me and how this convention has prepared me for the future as a Star Wars fan and a collector. First, without a doubt, the main highlight of this celebration was meeting and hanging out with all my fellow swanlings. I've met so many great folks from the forums and really enjoyed getting to know people who I've been talking to for years, in addition to those of you who perhaps listen to the show but don't post on the boards too often. Shame on you, by the way. The Star Wars Action News Yakface.com party Thursday night was simply amazing. I mean, we had so many great folks attend, the 501st was on hand, and it was just a perfect way to round out day one. Also, it was cool to see Star Wars Action News and Republic Forces represent so well at C5. Arnie and Marjorie were involved in four separate panels, one of which was the collecting podcast panel that Arnie and Marjorie did with Sky and Steve from the Kivecast. It was really exciting to see A&M in action and getting to know the Kivecast folks a little bit better, too. I gotta admit, I've never been so proud of being a swanling than seeing all the great participation that everyone had. Now along with that, I have to say it was really awesome to be part of the in-person recording of Friday's Star Wars Action News with Arnie, Marjorie, Dan, Chris, Stephen, Suzanne, and Jen. Now talk about a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I mean, who knows when eight of us will all come together like that again. Well, at least until the next celebration anyway. Now, also, we had a similar experience for Republic Forces Radio Network coming out later this week. Now, meeting Jen for the first time as a fellow host of Republic Forces was quite the pleasure. Now, funny story there. Early Thursday morning, I saw someone walking past us wearing a Republic Forces Radio Network t-shirt, and I said, hey, there's a Republic Forces fan, or is it a Republic Forces host? And sure enough, there was Jen and her husband, DeBede. Really great meeting you guys. Now, another highlight for me was the Lucas main event. Now, one of the reasons it was so cool was just how simple it was to have gotten to see him. You see, after we recorded Friday night, a bunch of us went down to the Lucas line at about 1.45 to kind of get the skinny on things, talk to some folks, and hear Jayla guys sing like you may have heard on the last Star Wars Action News. But given what I had in mind for Saturday, I decided that I had to get some sleep and that getting in line was not an option. So I woke up at 8.30, arrived at the convention center at 10, and had no problems getting in one of the video rooms. Now, thanks to Arnie, that seat I got happened to be in the front row right by the screen, but nonetheless, the room was only about half full when I entered. So with that, I was in a great mood to hear what was a pretty fun interview conducted by Jon Stewart. Now, there was certainly nothing groundbreaking to hear from George Lucas, but it was an amusing discussion nonetheless. I personally really enjoyed that Return of the Jedi footage of Luke making his new lightsaber that went along with the announcement of the 2011 release of the saga on Blu-ray. Having Mark Hamill come out and introduce that clip was really cool too. Now there are a lot of people on the internet who are hating on this footage, wondering what the big deal is. I mean, come on, the big deal here is that this is footage from the original trilogy that we've never seen before. I think that is awesome. Now it wasn't exciting from a content perspective. I mean, we all know that Luke built his new lightsaber on Tatooine, but it's just great to know that Lucas is bringing extras like this to the Blu-ray. Now, I can't believe that he showed us the best cutscene, so I can't wait to see what else is coming along, and I'm really anticipating future announcements on the Blu-ray releases. Now Saturday, and the whole con for me actually, ended with the Star Wars radio drama panel that Arnie and I conduct. Now even though it was late in the evening and the last tour to Endor event already actually opened, we still had a fantastic and enthusiastic crowd for the panel. It was a perfect way to end the show, and I have to thank all my fellow swanlings for coming out and supporting us. Now late Saturday night, we went ahead and just started driving home, and we had a convoy going on back to Cincinnati with Dan the Rockstar and his family, and as we were driving, I started getting a little bummed. You know, I, I couldn't believe that Celebration 5 was already over and that I had to go back to work the next day, but one thing that helped me out was that I started listening to the XM Sirius radio coverage for about six hours on the drive home. You know, the programming on that wasn't too bad, actually. It got a little repetitive throughout the middle of the night, but during the daytime hours of Sunday, they started doing some coverage right on the floor. and It was actually a lot of fun to listen to. kind of helped me ease out of the mood a little bit. Now, looking at the future, I have to think where all this excitement and enthusiasm is going to take me. I mean, number one, I am super excited for Season 3 of The Clone Wars. Everything they showed at C5 regarding Season 3 was awesome. Now with that, and our new format for Season 3 of Republic Forces Radio Network, I think we're going to have some of our best panel discussions yet. But I won't go too much into that, just check out republicforces.com for the Celebration 5 shows this week for all the great stuff we learned there. Now as a collector though, I was also really excited about all the items Hasbro shared. I'm definitely picking up that vintage packaging for the TIE Fighter and the Snowspeeder, as well as the vintage style 3-packs that will be at Target. Now, overall, I'm glad to see the future of Star Wars is bright. Clone Wars Season 3 is right around the corner with its hour-long debut on September 17th. Force Unleashed 2 is going to be out in October. And we've got some awesome collectibles coming out in the next year. And, hey, the Blu-ray is official now. Now, fortunately, I think there's a lot that we've got to look forward to as Star Wars fans, and I can't wait to get into it. So, that's my wrap-up of Celebration 5. Had a great time, really enjoyed meeting everybody, and I can't wait to do it again. Alright, thanks everybody. Let me turn you back to Arnie and Marjorie, and
1: I'll see you next time with my Vintage Viewpoint. Thank you, Jerry, and don't forget you can hear more of Jerry's Celebration 5 Clone Wars thoughts over at RepublicForces.com.
2: And lastly, but certainly not least, we have Dan the Rockstar from RepublicForces.com also sharing his thoughts. This is his first time at a celebration without kids the whole time.
6: Hey, Star Wars Action News, this is Dan, Darth Rockstar. Home safe and sound. I can't believe how fast it all went. It was an amazing four days. Even though I didn't get to stay for Sunday, I'm still going to call it four days because Wednesday was officially my day one with arriving, meeting a good portion of the SWAN team and hanging out at Heroes Landing for the trivia contest, which was a lot of fun. Uh, day one, getting in early, seeing the one of the greatest panels right off the bat, and then just panel, 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 and then the party. It's amazing. Day two, getting to actually sit in on a Hasbro panel after seeing them online and listening to them on various websites. Seeing one person was truly awesome. And then getting to hit the Hoth Ice Bar with a few people and then attempting to put together a scrapbook was a lot of fun, too. Saturday, even though I didn't stay with the Swan Group per se, uh, I did get to see everyone through the course of the day and got to take my son through the con and his first official real convention experience since previously he's just been in the line with me in the one day for C3 and in in the family room for C2. So that was really great. All in all, it was a wonderful time. It was so great to meet everyone and get to hang out. Lots of pictures up on the Facebook and in the Flickr pool. Came home with some great things, but the greatest of all is the memories of all the fun that we had. Just a wonderful time. Can't wait to see everybody again and talk to everybody Over the uh, forums, hopefully Celebration 6 will be here before we know it. Thanks for everything down there, you guys. It was truly just awesome. Hope everybody made it home safe and had a wonderful time. Can't wait to hear everybody else's memories and uh, see what else everybody else picked up down there. Talk to you guys soon.
1: Thank you, Dan. Now, a couple of last collecting Celebration notes as we are a collecting podcast. There wasn't a whole lot of new product at Celebration 5, which was a bit disappointing. Hasbro had some announcements we talked about last show. But I did see a couple of things. FX Collectibles had their Dooku Stunt Saber out, and it looks really good. I'm really impressed with their Stunt Sabers, again. I think that you could put it on one of their other displays and not know it wasn't a full L.E., I also saw something I had to have at StarWarsShop.com's booth, where they weren't selling anything, just teasing us with things that we could <laughs> buy later. They have another lawn ornament, which will accompany my Jawa and keep him company.
2: Even though the Jawas were never with Ad-Ats, but I digress. It is an
1: Ad-At whose legs got tangled up in either a vine or a, a hose. A hose. Yeah. And fell, and it is just great. And so for the $50-ish price point, must have. Then there were a couple of items, though. Woof. I am so skipping these maquettes. They have some EU maquettes, a Darth Bane, Amara Jade, they have the one from the Old Republic. These things are tiny looking.
2: Yeah, they were kind of small and demure.
1: They look so much smaller than the animated style maquettes they were doing before. These are more realistic. But I cannot justify $80 on Mm -mm. these, so more power to you if you have to have your Darth Bane maquette. You won't be fighting me for it in the limited quantity, because I'd probably go for it at a mini bust price of $60. If they go on sale, I'll jump. But for $80, these do not look worth it. I mean, if, if I opened a box and had paid $80 for something this tiny, it better be made of something other than polystone. And finally, General Giant was selling their Boba Fett 12-inch vintage-style figure. And that thing was the hot item of the con. The day of the Lucas main event, somebody came in and joined me in the room at 9.30 in the morning when the Jedi Knights and Jedi Masters had just gotten in, and they were already sold out. The vendors and everybody else were just buying, buying, buying the moment the doors opened. I am so glad I pre-ordered through the Premier Guild. It's a great-looking item on the card, but I plan on opening mine. But I'm still going to be really selective in this line. Also, the Stormtrooper was selling out at Celebration. They did bring it from San Diego because, I guess, they didn't sell out and they had some. So they brought them and sold them in limited quantities at Celebration. Those were selling out, too. I think people saw the Boba Fetts and then Mm -hmm. had the gotta-get-them-all mentality.
2: Yes, I'm afraid that's what's going to happen to you.
1: I don't think I'm going to go back. I don't think I'm going to get them all because imagine if they did all 96 figures at $100 a figure.
2: Wow, this cumulative math is really helping you out, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I'm going to be very picky and very choosy. So
2: apparently I needed to teach you math earlier.
1: Math is hard. It is. (laughs) So Marjorie, with Celebration 5 behind us, where does it rank of the four celebrations we've experienced?
2: I think it excelled in some areas, and I also think it wasn't as good in some areas. I still think the exhibit floor is smaller than it ever has been. It was bigger than C4, but still smaller than 2 and 3. And I think that I'm not sure if I like everything being in one room. Still thinking about that. I liked
1: everything in one room because it never felt like I had to travel too far for something unless I had to go to something on the fourth floor because there was only one access point to the fourth floor. The exhibit floor was smaller, but if you think about it, I think it had the same number of vendors. Yes, I missed sideshow, but you know what? I didn't miss M and M. No. And Singular Wireless. No. And when we went to Celebration 2 and 3, there were movies being released and all of these companies that had their tie-ins. And you'd have M&M characters walking around with Vader helmets. Mm-hmm. And you'd have Singular Wireless people refusing to give you shirts even though you worked for Singular. And all of these things. Yeah, this was a little bit smaller. But I think it had as many vendors As ever. I love the fact that there were a lot of vendors. I will go out on a limb here and say this was my favorite celebration of all.
2: It was a lot of fun, but I'll tell you, nothing compares to our first one, the weekend before we were getting married. And just our first convention like that. that that
1: That was great. But honestly, I think I had more fun this time. That time you and I were in a very magical place because we were about to get married and it was kind of like a vacation from the wedding plans.
2: I did have a really good time here though this year.
1: Hanging out with all of our friends and all of the new friends we made, Mm -hmm. our party, our panels. It was a whirlwind and I wish I had had more time to attend more panels. I would have liked to have gone to a couple more panels. But I had so much fun that I think this was my best celebration experience overall. Mm -hmm. I have nothing that I'm griping about. I walked out of there... And I just had a big smile on my face from having had a great weekend. And when it was over, you almost cried.
2: Yeah, it was really sad. It is kind of like summer camp when all your friends leave and you don't know when you're going to see them again, if you'll see them next year or not. It was a lot of fun, though.
1: We're trying to convince everyone to go to San Diego Comic-Con yes. just so we can have another class reunion like
2: that. I think we should. We should.
1: Well, now that that's over, at least we're not going to any conventions again anytime soon.
2: No, we're not. No, wait, we are. We're going to Wizard World next weekend.
1: Three days. We get three days at home, and then we go to Wizard World, where we're going to be doing a live show from the convention floor. Check our Facebook, our Twitter, our forums for updates on when and where to listen to that. And, of course, it will be available for download as next week's podcast. We got some surprises in store for that, so check it out all next week. Live from Wizard World Chicago. And if you're going, stop by, say hi, tell us he's worth a lot to me.
2: And I'll have a surprise for you.
1: I think people were very happy with their surprises at Celebration. It became a very sought after collectible. It did. So check that out. I have a feeling people will be trading those on our forums pretty soon. Because nobody at Celebration was able to get a full set. They have to start contacting other staff members. Mm -hmm. Plus, find us in person and say he's worth a lot to me. Yes.
2: But it would make it fun. So.
1: So that is our show for this Celebration. I want to thank all of you listeners. The ones I met. The ones I couldn't meet. The ones who came to the party. The ones who stayed at home and downloaded our show. Thank you all for being with us. For some or all of the past five years of podcasting, I can't believe it's been five years.
2: I just want to give a few shout-outs to some people who were really great to me this weekend. It was really nice to meet you. Brad, thanks for the Jar Jar keychain. He's on my keys now. It's awesome.
1: Yes, and thanks for the
2: CDs and the Han Carbonite keychain. Arnie's actually been looking for that keychain for a long time, so that was really cool. Steve from Sacramento, always cool. Loved your badge. It was cool. Awesome to know you listened to us. Darth Kravis, you had a great story about a guy who loaned you 60 bucks because you happened to be at the right place at the right time and needed $60. You just didn't have the cash on you. I think that's great. And I want to say thank you to our staff. We have an awesome, awesome staff, and we had a great time with you guys. It was wonderful meeting some of you for the first time. Some of you we knew before you were working on the staff. It was great. I, it's t- Things that memories are made of. It was wonderful.
1: And I want to thank Brock and Jason and Brent, the staff in absentia who worked so hard from home. I know there were some late nights with website updates, podcast editing, and podcast enhancing.
2: Don't worry, we were up late too recording.
1: Thank you guys so much for your help.
2: And I also want to say welcome to Steve and Suzanne. I hope they had a great time in the States coming over. It was their first time coming to the States, and they came over for celebration and to tour all the parks in Orlando. And I know a lot of people had a lot of fun meeting them.
1: And I want to thank everyone who helped out with the party, but we could be here all night. Yes, we could. Thanking everybody. Dad who helped out with the setup, Hallmark, the 501st members who attended the party in costume and gave it a Star Wars feel, but... All the people who stopped me in the hall and just said they enjoy the show, thank you for stopping and thank you for that support because it means so much to us to know that us talking Star Wars for an hour a week or more is entertaining to you.
2: Who knew? And you know what's fun is when people say, you guys are just like this in person. That's our life. That's how we are. And I think it's a lot of fun. And I'm so glad that you guys are all here to share this with us. So thank
1: you all for listening. And we'll be back again next week. Until then, may the pegs be stocked.
2: And may the force be with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcasts, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415 508 Jedi or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com hanshideout.blogspot.com and jeditemplearchives.com and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is web programmers Jason and Joe, associate produced by Brock, reporters Jerry and Steve, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrent. Star Wars Action News is copyright 2010, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyrighted Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated.
1: Then the other bit of news is that Papa Baranoida, who was George Lucas's cameo character from Episode 3, is going to come back and kick butt in The Clone Wars.
2: Pretty sure it's Savage something. Oh, now you're not sure. Pretty sure it was Savage Oppress because it's not very subtle.
1: <laughs> you're right, Savage Oppress.
2: Woo! One for me. On EU when I got it for you did. I knew it and you didn't.
1: When I finally got his autograph, I said, I'm, I'm glad you came to the UK. I thought I was going to have to come to the U.
2: <laughs> yeah, after numerous things, I actually call it when Arnie takes a lot of pictures of something that's it's, its first birthday. The ad had its first birthday a while ago. The cake at our party had its first birthday Thursday night. Arnie took more photos than I think of a newborn baby.
1: I was like, dude.
2: <sighs> All right. It was like, uh, you know,
1: perhaps because it was Fantasia, but it was the. Or, uh,